It's Friday, May the 22nd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, China glowers at Hong Kong and another 2.4 million Americans unemployed. First, the world in brief. China's annual parliament opened with it dropping a GDP target for the first time. More worryingly, officials intimated the government is preparing to impose a national security law on Hong Kong in response to last year's pro-democracy protests. While details are awaited from Beijing, Hong Kongers fear the erosion of the territory's remaining autonomy. Activists called instantly for a new march. Local stock markets tanked. President Donald Trump promised that America would react very strongly. America announced it would withdraw from the Open Skies Treaty, a 35-country agreement that allows unarmed surveillance flights over member states. The accord, which took effect in 2002, was designed to increase trust between Russia and the Western military alliance that emerged during the Cold War. The Trump administration said Russia had repeatedly violated the pact and that America's exit would take place in six months. Another 2.4 million people made new claims for unemployment benefits in America last week, bringing the total to 38.6 million in nine weeks. Despite a seventh consecutive decline, the figure still far exceeds the pre-COVID record for a single week. The Federal Reserve has warned that a full economic recovery may not take place until an effective COVID-19 vaccine is developed. Before a vaccine against the coronavirus can be tested, let alone brought to market, manufacturing capacity must be secured. To that end, AstraZeneca, a British drug firm, sold rights to 300 million doses of a potential vaccine to the American government for $1.2 billion. A Reuters-Ipsos poll found that 24% of Americans are not interested in being vaccinated. Ramzan Kadyrov, leader of the Russian Republic of Chechnya, was reportedly airlifted to a hospital in Moscow, apparently suffering from COVID-19. Mr. Kadyrov, a rebel leader turned strongman who once fought a bitter war for independence, is now seen as an important ally to the Kremlin. Accusations against his regime for human rights abuses and more are legion. Business activity in Europe recovered slightly in May after hitting record lows the month before. IHS Markets Flash Purchasing Managers Index, a leading indicator of economic activity, rose to 30.5 from 13.6 in April. Anything less than 50 indicates a contraction. The survey showed that the German economy has been hit less hard and recovered more quickly than its European peers. And Oxfam, one of the world's biggest humanitarian aid agencies, said it would close operations in 18 countries and lay off about 1,500 staff. The organisation currently works in over 60 countries directly. Oxfam's charity shops have been shuttered during the pandemic, hitting its revenues. In 2018, it also lost funding after reports of a sexual abuse scandal at its office in Haiti. And now, here's today's agenda. Stated aims. China's parliament meets. That the 3,000 or so delegates can gather together is already an accomplishment. The National People's Congress, China's annual parliament, opened today in Beijing, having been postponed by nearly three months because of coronavirus. It is a rubber stamp affair with no real debate, but it will be busy. One of the first actions was to drop an annual GDP target, a practice observed consistently since 1994. Given uncertainty about the pandemic and the global economy, Prime Minister Li Keqiang said the focus instead would be on stabilising employment. Many economists had reservations about the figure's veracity in any case. GDP targets were rarely missed. But they were an indication of the government's state of mind. And China is still not ready to forsake growth. 
Mr Lee announced it will run a higher fiscal deficit as it ramps up economic stimulus. The Parliament, which lasts several days, will get into more controversial territory later on. Out of patience, China and Hong Kong. Indications from China that it might force a national security law onto the territory has Hong Kongers bracing for a resumption of hostilities. Under Article 23 of the Basic Law, Hong Kong's government is required to pass legislation to outlaw treason, sedition and secessionism. A previous attempt in 2003 prompted such protests that the bill was shelved. China's government has become increasingly insistent that it must be passed soon. It sees protests in Hong Kong as a national security threat to the whole country and wants new ways to punish dissent. Hong Kong's chief executive often says that such a bill will be passed when the time is right. Now, China's parliament meeting this week is expected to introduce a resolution which would either put more pressure on the local government to push legislation through or perhaps bypass it completely and impose national law on Hong Kong. Neither is good news for the territory's civil liberties or foreign businesses. In the dock, Benjamin Netanyahu in court. On Sunday, a serving Israeli Prime Minister will appear as a defendant in a criminal trial for the first time in the country's history. Benjamin Netanyahu will face charges of bribery and fraud, exactly a week after he swore in his fifth government. Mr Netanyahu has denied the allegations against him of receiving illegal gifts from wealthy benefactors and of intervening in media regulation on behalf of friendly press barons. However, last week he tried to avoid his day in court claiming that his presence at the reading of the charges was unnecessary and would cause undue public cost. The Jerusalem District Court judges summarily rejected his request, ruling that he would have to turn up just like other defendants. Like his predecessor as Prime Minister Ehud Olmert, Mr Netanyahu now runs the risk of ending up in prison for bribery, though before, not after his retirement. Don't stop me now. Burundi to the polls. As millions around the world were holed up at home this week, Burundians crowded into polling stations to vote for their new president. The election is a two-horse race between Everest Indaishimier, hand-picked successor of the incumbent Pierre Nkuzuriza, and Agathon Rawaza of the opposition National Congress for Freedom, CNL. Mr Indaishimier is tipped to win whatever the ballot count says. With no foreign election observers present, voting day was marred by malpractice. Ballot boxes were allegedly full of papers before polling stations opened. Ruling party members were accused of adding extra votes using identity cards belonging to dead people. Nonetheless, CNL reckons it has won more than 80% of the vote. Mr Ndaishimie is likewise confident of his own victory. Provisional results are expected next week. Rumours are circulating in the city of Bujumbura that Mr Nkuzuriza will enforce a belated lockdown that same day. His excuse will be COVID-19. His real aim will be to stifle dissent and violence. Breaking fasts and curfews. Eid al-Fitr. There is little need this year for haircuts and new clothes, small luxuries that usually accompany the Eid al-Fitr holiday. Across the Middle East, even in countries that have been reopening, citizens will endure one more round of confinement this Eid weekend. Jordan and Saudi Arabia are under special lockdowns for the festival. Curfews were tightened in the United Arab Emirates and Egypt. After an unfestive festival though, governments are eager to open for business. Some may resume international flights next month. The virus is still spreading, particularly in Gulf states, but death tolls are far below those in hard-hit European countries, and the region cannot bear the cost of a delayed reopening. Around a third of Dubai's 40,000 hotel workers might lose their jobs. 
restaurateurs in Lebanon called the last two months a funeral for their sector. Even without the curfews, Eid celebrations would be muted. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Arthur Conan Doyle, who was born on this date in 1859. Mediocrity knows nothing higher than itself, but talent instantly recognises genius. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.